0: To another episode of Treating You presented to you by Bart's Health. This is the podcast that gives a voice to our 18,000 staff, shines a light on their day-to-day working lives and show you the public some of their amazing stories and experiences. In this podcast we chat to the people to who keep the trust going and the most inspirational stories from our patients, everyone from porters and therapists to midwives, doctors and ward clerks. We discuss how they came to be at Bart's Health, their healthcare journey and how they treat you.
1: My name is Dr Vanessa Appiah and I'm a consultant in sexual health and HIV medicine. I'm also a researcher and have worked on lots of different types of research, including COVID-19 vaccine clinical trials. I'm really passionate about ensuring the voices of people from all communities are heard, but particularly women of Black African and Black Caribbean heritage. In this special episode of Treating You to mark Black History Month, I am talking to the wonderful Roxy Murray, a patient advocate who is committed to ensuring people from all communities are represented in all types of research. We'll be discussing the different types of research, some of the reasons people from black communities may be hesitant to take part in it, what barriers stop people from getting involved in research and sharing some of the steps myself and colleagues at Barts Health are taking to support more people from black communities in taking part. Discussing all of this with me is the wonderful Roxy Murray, a patient advocate committed to ensuring people from all communities are represented in research. And she's also the host of the great podcast Sick and Sickening. Welcome Roxy. Hi Vanessa, thanks for having me, I'm thrilled to be here. Great, it's wonderful to have you here. So before we get into our topics, can you tell me a bit about yourself and, and to our listeners as well, how you became a patient
0: advocate? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Roxy Murray. Um, I have multiple sclerosis, relapse and rheumatoid multiple sclerosis, and benign intracranial hypertension. Um, I fell into patient advocacy because I was originally at the age of 18 misdiagnosed with lupus, mm-hmm. and it was on the basis of my skin tone. I'm mixed race, Mm -hmm. obviously I live a black experience, but my mum is a white woman who was at these appointments with me, however they felt that MS wasn't possible at that point, and they said it had to be lupus because of my skin tone. That led to me not having any sort of treatment for Mm -hmm. what manifested as MS um, for eight plus years, Gosh, which is really important because anyone that knows MS, it's really important to get treatments very quickly mm. to neutralize how much the effects of MS can play on your body. So I dealt with that, and I'd gone back and forth, and I had a massive relapse, and eventually a new doctor reassessed me and said, actually, I'm really going to tell you for the last eight years of your life, you've been living with MS, not lupus, so we need to change this. Which was great, but I knew nothing about it. Yeah. I was told, you have MS, there's no cure, see you later. I also realised when I started speaking to other people, this was something that happened often for people of colour. And I also realised that MS in general was something that wasn't really discussed. So I started advocating for myself, then I started advocating for the other people I spoke to, and then I started doing my research and stuff to realise there's a massive gap where no one had really considered black MS Mm.
1: at all, and that includes in studies and in treatments. Gosh, so powerful. I think, you know, First of all, it's, I'm sure there's some of the listeners thinking, you know, what is um, MS and what is multiple sclerosis? And I'm sure there's people Googling uh, as they're <laughs> listening. Um, but also, I think one of the things that you highlighted is that you've got relapsing, remitting um, MS. And so to add to all of that, you're, I'm sure you had times where your symptoms were controlled, as it were. So then people thought there was nothing going on and then it would suddenly flare up.
0: Yeah, it's an invisible illness. So yeah. even to this day, unless I have a mobility aid on me and I'm having a bad day, no one knows anything's going on. Yeah, it's a central nervous system. It's internal, and at the most, you'll hear me speak during this podcast. I yeah. start slurring my words, mm-hmm. so people might think
1: you're mildly drunk. No, yeah, no, and I, and I think um, it's just so great to have you on because I think that that's just saying that in terms of being a hidden disability and the fact that you may have something that's affecting you and someone just makes an assumption about what's going on and don't really take the time to look at you yeah. and what's actually happening. So, oh, I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Um, so just thank you so much for sharing because I'm sure there's many people that, um, you know, in terms of resonating in different ways about it, particularly because it is quite sad that for a number of people of color, that is something really common to them, of having their diagnosis being delayed. And um, So it will be great to share, and I think it really is such a powerful example of why it is so important, and in this case, um, people from black communities, mixed communities, all communities um, are included in all research. Absolutely. So one of the things I always think that people do think about question when they when this topic comes up is you know why is it so important that you ensure that all communities are involved in research what are your thoughts
0: well it just means that the products that are created have everyone in mind Mm. so for me I take obviously immunosuppressant drugs Mm -hmm. there's a few quite a few drugs you can take about this that only about two or three of them have ever been created with different races involved mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and actually part of the trial. Still a small minority, mm-hmm. but that means I can actually have the confidence that I'm taking a drug that's not going to affect me and create other outcomes that you know are not in the booklet or yeah. side effects. Yeah. And that's you know important, as well as you know, we don't always go to surgeries and doctors and stuff. So we feel like it's actually created of us in mind. More people might go to the doctors. More people might want to take the drugs, and know that you know they're safe to take for everyone.
1: You know the 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 keyword um, for me that's just resonating my uh, mind is confidence, because if you, like you say, we talk about um, you know people not engaging with care, um, um, the decisions they make in their health, etc. But actually, if you've got confidence in who's looking after you, if you've got confidence in what has been said, if you've got confidence in the meds that have been created and um, that you are considered and you've been in mind in it, then you're like, okay, I'm going to take it. But actually, when you don't think you've got, if you haven't got confidence in it and you think, how do they know it's going to work for me? Mm -hmm. How can I trust it? And it all comes down to trust again. Of course. Yeah, it's trust and confidence. And so I think you're so right. It's about making sure that people know that they are in mind and they have seen and valued in the whole um, research process. Yeah, yeah, and
0: there's no excuses
1: anymore because they did it with COVID, no. they can do it for everything else. Yeah, no, exactly, no excuses at all. Why do you think it is that more people from black communities don't take part in research?
0: Well, there's a number of things. Um, the main thing is it's, you know, history. history the things that we know the things that we've heard Mm. about the testing on us the the fact that we became like patient zero to say for people to you know get treatments for other people but never with us in mind Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a lot of fear of that It's just a CD project in America that a lot of people even in the UK have the fear of that and believe that you know if you're going to a doctor's surgery and you know, you're know you getting misdiagnosed, mm. you're feeling no one's been listening to you, you're not feeling that people are doing full diagnosis or full, um, what's the right word for this, full um, exploration yeah. of your body, mm. um, it's the belief where people have said to me personally, mm. oh, well, you're strong though, aren't you? Yeah. I don't know what you're strong though, aren't you means, because I have white friends and we come and say about this all the time, they're like, no one's ever said that to me. Yeah, yeah. But it's belief, especially with black women yeah that we stronger. We we don't feel pain on the same level and these are like old stories. And the problem is for me, most people when I speak to on my podcast believe that these are things that are learned from the medical system. So if someone's teaching someone else they're passing these information down yeah and it's
1: still filtering out into today. I I mean first of all completely agree with everything that you said but there is just so much in what you've just said. And I think you know, even starting from the very beginning about um, patient zero. So it, it it there is that concept of I am being used for the benefit of others. Yeah. So it's not that I am I am in this trial for my own benefit. There's a real perception that um, it's 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 not for it's not for me as a black woman. It's for everyone else. But I'm just being added within it. Yeah, and absolutely. and being used within it. And people. You know when I've talked to other people about it they're like well you know why is this where does this come from and it's like um when have you told people otherwise you know when have you said that it is really important for you as a black man to be involved in this for you yeah. and for your community rather than just get involved because we need the numbers and we, exactly <laughs> but we've never actually shown the relevance um to yourself and people assume that people should know that but when you're a minority, yeah. you don't know that because you don't know if you're being seen or valued.
0: They forget to change it into different languages as well. So exactly. the thing. You want people from different backgrounds to onboard with things, but if it's only in English, you miss so many people that maybe did want to join up. You don't even know they want to join up, but they can't read or understand what's being given to them. And also, a lot of the language is not even in layman's terms. So you give me something like a study to get onboarded on, and it's so in a very medical exactly. terminology. Yeah. I have MS, my brain's attacked by lesions. Mm. Sometimes I can barely read like like a book for a ten year old. Yeah. A yeah. And, and medical paper. Yeah. Someone needs to get that information and make it in a readable format so people really understand A, what they're on board now, but B they can just read it and understand it in general.
1: Yeah. You know?
0: And it, it's what
1: is always really fascinating to me in these discussions is that it's not rocket science, <laughs> it, it's like, it's, um, we have a really um, diverse community with um, many different languages, many different reading levels, be it for lack of education, etc., or be it that they've got another thing going on in their life that affects their ability to read, so just why don't we just try and make life easier for people, Yes. you know, rather than them always having to ask. I yeah, yeah. don't
0: forget about accessibility for just random disabled people, yeah. you know, people go blind with MS, so mm-hmm. if I need it in a different format, am I getting it in an accessible format? Do I have it in braille that I can yeah. understand it? I yeah. still might want to be part of the study, but if I can't get the accessibility to understand the information that's been given to me, yeah. I can't onboard it with full confidence that
1: this is good for me or good for my community. Well, exactly, and I think also there's something that's underestimated um, by researchers is that um, Research may be their priority, but it's not your priority. No, no. <laughs> you know, like you know. So you're you're there and you're thinking, of course, you want advances in MS. You no. want you want to see the landscape different. But right now, if you've got symptoms and you're exhausted, or actually something is frustrated you, etc., it's not your priority to go to a research appointment. No. So. That as well needs to be considered. I think.
0: Yeah, you have a I call medical grief. So like, so I speak to people about MS, and I go, "There's a grieving period. But yeah, you get a diagnosis to the point of accepting it, and then going through to the other side where you actually start action in self-care. Yeah, that takes a few. It can take a few months, a few years, and a few days. Yeah, for people now, especially in my community, they find it a little bit quicker. Yeah, and that's because other people have dealt with the long, the exactly. long way. Yeah, but it's also about the consideration. So for me. I'm on board on a study called Adam's study, it's mm-hmm. great, but it's the first ever study to take genetic data from other ethnic backgrounds mm-hmm. for MS, the yeah. first ever. The MS Society next year turns 70. Gosh. Right? So that means that MS as a disease has lasted longer than that, because they've only formed as a reaction to that situation, but that means that no one from anywhere in medical studies has decided, oh, do you know what we should consider? House affects other races, mm. because I didn't believe it did. Yeah. And if I go back to how my MS manifested, it's always in the brain. It's yeah. not always in the brain, mine manifested in my spine cord, my first lesion, yeah. which actually is very normal for people of colour, mm. but no one was investigating that. But yeah. they knew, because when it
1: actually revealed itself, they were like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: so my
1: spine yeah. <laughs> It's um, I don't know if I love it. It's just it's, it's amazing because it's just um, so much. When we think about um, you know just inequalities in general, we're talking about it and it's just this thing. None of this is new, so we know it, um, and so why are we not doing something about it already? And I think that um, for me, being on the other side, um, so well actually being on many different sides, so. <laughs> so um, being a black woman, yes. Being someone that's needed um, operations and health care, um, you know, I'm really open about it. So I had difficulties um, conceiving and I had to have a number of gynecological operations. And the how I felt in that space and the time it took to someone to find the right way to manage me um, was really difficult. Yeah. And then on top of that, I'm a medic, so I have that. And being a researcher as well, I think that... It's a real journey for everyone. It's a journey through your diagnosis. And it's a journey, like you said, through your diagnosis and the grief, and then to a point that you're gonna engage in research and the decisions that you make to go into research. And I think that from as researchers and as um, people that design research, we've got to make sure that we involve everyone from the very beginning and we have a lens of equity yes from the very beginning so you know how am I going to achieve equity with this protocol yeah and right the this when you're even when you're sitting there writing your protocol who am I trying to get within this study and if I'm trying to get all communities within it how am I going to do that and being really intentional from the beginning and bringing people in um, you know co-design but also just thinking about it
0: yeah
1: <laughs> and, and from the very beginning Putting in translation costs into your um, protocol and your budget from the very beginning yes. and not doing it as an afterthought later and realising I can do one language <laughs> <laughs> or I'm going to get a volunteer to do it because I can't afford it. Whereas it's if it's from the very beginning, it's there and you know that that's what you're doing all the way through. Yeah, We
0: live in London. It's the most multicultural place, like, one of the most. Yeah. It's wild that it's just not in the medical system as a norm. Yeah. That it should just be in multiple languages, especially when you're going to certain places in London. Mm. You know the communities around there. Yeah, yeah. So why are you not creating the information so they can read it and it, understand it. Exactly. And like you said, equity, I love that word. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm always about like, equity over equality. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. No. If I can't go on a study and I really want to, because that means me not being able to work for three weeks and that we're all the cost of living crisis. Exactly. And I can't have any financial compensation. Some people go, well, why would you want to do that? You should just join. And it's not like you don't, but it's about, it might be different between eating yeah. and being part of a study. And you're going to go with eating and paying a bill over the study, not because you don't want to be a part of it, but you physically cannot take that time off. And people need to think about that when they're creating research studies. In America, they're great. Patient advocacy in America and they pay for their care, yeah. in general, for their health. And that's a total issue. Mm. My friends struggle over there when it comes to getting drugs and stuff. But when they want patient advocacy and they want people to onboard the studies, they give them a financial incentive yeah, because they know people can't just manifest time and money out of nowhere on board onto
1: them. But it's so true, because I think that... um, Because we say, you know, things like, oh, um, uh, what are the barriers? You know, socio-economic, yeah. But it's one thing stating it, Mm -hmm. but then you've got to think, okay, why are there those barriers there? And then what am I going to do in response to it? And it's, it's, um, you know, you're thinking of, as you said, (laughs) do I want to eat? <laughs> Do I want to have signs time to drink? Do I want to pay my rent, mortgage? Do I want someone? To, am I who am I caring for? Whether it's children, whether it's fa- older family members, whether it's your neighbour, yeah. you know, all of that. How is that being considered to allow me to be actively involved in something that I want to be involved in, but my life circumstances? And I think you know the whole thing about equity as well is because. You've got your differences um, in outcomes, you know, you've got your inequalities. But for me, um, it's the fact that um, it's unjust. So the differences that we're seeing are unjust. You know, these inequities, there's a a reason why this is, and it's not just individual level, it's societal. And all of those determine and give people different opportunities for good health. Different opportunities to access research, and so we've got to be really intentional in how we mitigate that. Yeah, know? absolutely. And I
0: know sometimes, like I've had people go, "Well, why is it fair if, say, Jane gets an extra two hundred pounds on board the study, but I'm not?" Yeah. And it's like, well, if I'm a millionaire and you're not a millionaire, yeah, I should be kind enough and understand that maybe you need more than me to do the same thing that I can just happen to do. Yeah. And we shouldn't then be going against each other on that basis, we should then feel like, well actually we're all here for the same path, for the same result at the end, we should help each other and hold each other up and you know, spread the love exactly. to get the results from the change that we
1: want in the system. Exactly, so, and I think um, you know the key to this is transparency, Yeah. so if you were very clear from the very beginning that we are being intentional to get all communities involved, and then we are approaching this in different ways so we are doing targeted communications we're doing um, we're going to different um, agencies to engage people we're doing all of this and also we're really cognizant that some communities and it's not just based on race and ethnicity it's based on uh, migrant status class you know everything and we are we will be having conversations with participants potential participants and trying to work out what they would need. To be involved and if you're transparent from the very beginning then i think that really then helps people so that someone's thinking why did jane or mary yeah. <laughs> get it rather than myself and stuff like that yeah, yeah absolutely agree. yeah I, I it's but it is um for me just listening to you speaking to you and seeing the work that you do Thank you. it's really to me about visibility
0: Yeah, visibility that's my thing we are not invisible. Mm-hmm. Visibility to me is key in so many things. Mm-hmm. And not just in medicine, just in life as a disabled person. Yeah. I'm visible, when I show people that I exist, that means that someone else might feel like, oh actually, if... so I unboarded it into study so that other people could see that I was on the study, yeah. it made it so visible so they knew like you know, I'm not gonna say it's not I'm not gonna go, it's safe. Yeah, no, but you know, I'm gonna take part in. I'm gonna take the first steps to try and break through those barriers and those fears, mm-hmm. to show people, you know, there are things that are changing, they're mm. not perfect, mm. but we're getting steps closer to what we wanna do. But that's by me being very visible and very transparent about me being on the study. Yeah. and Also, the person that I'm working with, as a neurologist, in what he's doing, is being very transparent. And we've done podcasts, we've done lives, they've done so many different podcasts, and let the community, ask them questions directly yeah. is such a special thing because then, A, it gives them the information of how to make this more accessible for people, but it makes people feel like they can see a first-person view. Yeah. The person that's asking them for their data, their saliva, their bloods, whatever that is, they get to visualise that person and they can
1: have contact with them when they've <laughs> one. That's all people want. But that's exactly it, and I think that um, it's just really interesting, listen, because the it's so powerful, you see, and some people don't get it because if you were used to seeing yourself everywhere, you don't see what's so special about it. Yeah. But it's when you don't see yourself anywhere, and then you suddenly see yourself <laughs> somewhere, you're like, oh, my goodness. And I, um, the, what, he's, what struck me and why this has become a bigger part of my life, actually, is um, through, w- within COVID and the vaccines, etc. because everyone from... If, I did a lot of work with all communities, but particularly black communities, and everyone kept saying, Well, I don't see myself in research. I don't, where am I in all these studies? And we made a big effort to show the percentages. Yeah. But then on the flip side, you know, the question is, well, if it is really important to you, would you go and do it? Yeah. You know, and if you won't go and do it, how can we how can we talk together about it? How can we support you on that journey? Because it is. You know Covid was the exact thing we were all learning science together like we were all in it together yeah. learning it. <laughs> and and I think that's research when you're in a trial you are learning things together and you're not going to say oh it's definitely safe to get involved yeah. but what you're saying is that I've made it an internal decision to get involved and I think that the protocols and the um, protective aspects of it are safe enough for me to say I'm gonna get involved yeah. but you're learning science with the researchers as well and I think that there's a big part of trying to change that narrative for people to say that it's really important for you to see people like us but then we will then got to think about how more of us are gonna get involved
0: yeah absolutely
1: great yeah great no no, no. Could talk for years. Same, <laughs> <laughs> same. It's such
0: an important thing. It's something that's so in my heart. Yeah. It just matters because I don't find enough representation for black and especially queer yeah. individuals in yeah. research. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like I said with MS, it's Black History Month right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Crickets is yeah. all I can say. Yeah. From yeah. so many organisations that champion MS and disability. And they're not talking about it. And even disability community in general yeah. hasn't got that great black representation. People exist, yeah. But no one's hiring them, no one's onboarding them yeah. to things that probably would allow them to then talk to their communities and then also help you onboard more people onto situations to
1: create that change. Well, it's and and again I think that well, number one, which is we're having this podcast <laughs> and we're doing it by ourselves, because I do think that um that is what's key, you know. Um, you can't just have a banner of Black History Month um, and then not even acknowledge it, not do anything about it. And you know, there's people have different views on Black History Month. You know, it's only one, you know, it's only one month, and we should be considering it all the time. Absolutely. And I completely get that. But on, on the other hand, I think it is a real opportunity to just celebrate, um, advocate, and just shine a light, in visibility. And in a very busy world, in a cost-of-living crisis world, you know, all these other competing things, sometimes it's just, it is good to just say, we're concentrating on this and we're just showing people that we see you and we value you and then to to go on from there. And one of the things is, because we've talked a lot about some of the barriers and some of the reasons for hesitancy. But what do you think can be done to address some of these concerns and to break down some of these barriers?
0: Well, like I said, I mean, I don't know if anyone knows the theme of um, Black History Month this yes. year. So it's action, not words. Mm. So we need to take actions mm. as the first mm-hmm. thing, right? And that, like I said to you, first thing is make sure it's in all languages so people can onboard and understand mm-hmm. studies. Reach out to the community. Don't expect them just to walk in and be like, "Hi, I'm ready to go on the study." You need yeah. to go out to them. You need to figure out where they are and give them information that they can understand. As easily read, and you know, make yourself transparent, as you said. Let the information, let it feed into the information more than anything. Like, ask people questions. All it does is take a conversation, like between we are having right now. We're having a conversation. And that way, we're getting to unpack all the issues that we feel like are the reasons why we don't, mm-hmm. and the reasons why we can't, yeah. or the reasons why we would. Mm. But that takes asking people directly. Don't assume you know yeah. and understand the community. Mm. doesn't help anyone. Mm. Go there, honest and open, and be like, what can we do mm. to help you want to take part in these things? What needs to change, and a lot of it is just transparency. Mm. Be fully transparent. Mm. You know, I've apologized for mistakes I've made in life. Sometimes yeah. the medical system needs to do the same thing. Make people know that you hold the past accountable. Black and Black History Month, we don't always talk about past, we can talk about the future. Yeah. And let's talk about what we're going to do to change those issues yeah. going forward, mainly from my point of view.
1: I, I, I think it, it is, and that the action and um, and a future action is what's key, you know? It is, it is pivotal that we understand why we are where we are. Yes. <laughs> because, and, um, and so we're looking at some of the work that we did of ourself over the, um, let's say the vaccine times, let's say, there was a lot of work on doing, in bringing in local community leaders, faith leaders, um, just community stakeholders to understand why people were feeling the way they were and then working with them to design videos and you know social media assets in the right way in the cult in a you know with cultural humility
0: i love that you brought up social media because yeah you find that's an unpicked resource yeah there's a lot of people especially the younger communities they're going to be on social media. They're not looking on your website. Not They're not Googling how to get into study. They're not. They're yeah. living their life. So you have to go to them. You have to make this information available on the platform. They actually look at Discord, Twitter, yeah. Instagram. Like all the, there's so many you can go to. Mm. And also, like you said, community outreach. Go to the influencers. Yeah. Influencing, no matter how you love it or you hate it, it works. It yeah. exists. Go to the people that they care about. And get them to help you, A, create the information, Yeah. and also feed out the information to the community so they understand. And we need more researchers yeah. from all different backgrounds. Yeah. People that you can... I know it sounds like, like, if I see myself, Yeah. then I probably do feel more comfortable. And, and
1: it's... And it's um, it, it is so powerful. <laughs> it, and you, It's so easy for others to underestimate it, again. But it is really, really powerful. And I think um, the... Producing different things on different formats, and to the, you, the way you put it, I thought it was really, really lovely. the The people that people care about, yeah. You see, because often people throw around the term influencers, and it's a bit of a you know throwaway term. And they're an influencer, but what it is is that there's someone in the community, in the sphere of social media, that someone sitting at home cares about their opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you, if that's the case, and something else you said about it is about let them create it and disseminate it because often what I think that we do with influencers is that we give them what we want them to share, yeah. but it should be that okay, right, Roxy, I want to do XYZ. Um, this is what I want to say. How do you think I should say it? In what way, aesthetically, should I be presenting it? And then can you help me disseminate it? Yeah, and I think we need to pay you as well. Yeah,
0: and yeah. also, like, think I know it sounds like put glitter yeah. on it, but I also put glitter on it because. You have to grab people's attention. Exactly. So TikTok, two minutes, it's so bright and you need to make things visual but also accessible because sometimes you're tuberous, yeah. some people, <laughs> you go too bright. Some people, you don't want to trigger off illnesses. Yeah, as well. yeah, so yeah. It's a fine line, but the yeah. research needs to be done mm. in how to output information as mm. well. Yeah. And that's something that I feel like sometimes people don't look at. Well, I think, you know,
1: picking up on that in terms of the research that needs to be done because it's it's the questions as well as the people that you bring into it and um there is a, a something that's quite exciting that you know i actually have a part of which is um HAARP, which is um a it's um a health um for um, underrepresented groups so it's it's health research for underrepresented groups and um it's based in east london and it's with um it's a um, a collaboration with um, Queen Mary, um, with City University um, as well, um, and it's giving people—it's um, funding PhDs and um, for people to do research in underrepresented groups. And so there, there are key groups that we know that need research dedicated to them, and there's a fund that is, and it's with welcome as well, and it's a fund that's dedicated to funding these um, PhDs. Because that's what you need, you need to be asking the right questions, whether it's basic science, whether it's qualitative research, um, you need to be asking the right questions for these communities, Um, and actually, the only way you can do that as well is by getting all your right public engagement strategies yes. so that you are bringing the communities in to ask them, what do you need? What are, what are the gaps? Um, and I think that is um, really, really important. Um, and just kind of pushing the trust and the university to do more. They're doing great things, and I acknowledge that. Um, they've got research champions, mater- particularly in a maternity study as well. But there's more to do.
0: I will say one thing that I think that I've missed out and I should say that yeah. they need to do is retrain existing staff because yeah. people bring their prejudice and their own beliefs into medical scenarios which you see left at the door and mm. understand that maybe you don't believe mm. something or other should be happening mm. but you can't bring that into the forum because people say the feedback I've got of what people have been told mm. in medical situations about their existence or their personal choices is not okay yeah and that makes people go i don't want to do this yeah. anymore yeah and that's an issue so some internal training would also be good because new researchers and new stuff come from a different completely different perspective yeah. usually but older research and older stuff it happens with any job i do it even with fashion i can have a very narrow view of style yeah. and i have to go back out there and learn everyone should be constantly learning in my eyes so I don't think it's like a, you're not doing good enough, I just think everyone needs a refresher in
1: life. Uh, and I, it, it, that's just such a great way to put it. And I, you know, so my research is focused on black women and it's amplifying the lived experiences of black women. But what I have to do daily uh, uh, reflection to think about, because yes, I'm a black woman, but I my viewpoint, my lived experience cannot dictate and um, speak for everyone else. So I've got to be really intentional about how I engage other black women, and not do it only in a way that I think is right, yes. you know, yeah, yeah. and that, that applies to everything, and so we've all got to, It's that you're, you're so right, it's constant learning, and recognising that there is always more to learn, Yeah. Um, and life changes, and life's dynamic, and we've just got to be able to respond to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's great. Roxy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming on today. Um, I think um, we've treated treating you. <laughs> we've having you on. I think it's just been such an amazing discussion. Mm-hmm. And as I, said, as I said earlier, we could talk for hours, I'm sure. But um, just really thank you so much. No, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And this has been a great discussion. I can talk to you very yeah. And I just want to say to everyone listening, um, thank you for listening to this episode of Treating you. Um, We're going to be including details of where you can find out more information about Black History Month, how to get involved in research, and so much more. And also, if you've enjoyed this episode, please make sure that you subscribe um, to the podcast on whatever platform you listen to, share on social media, and also just leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We want to learn, we want to improve. And if you are a journalist and you want to get in touch, please visit bartshealth.nhsuk.com forward slash press office for more information stay safe look after yourselves and we'll be back soon to treat you with another episode